how strange and divine I can sing all these mighty yet not I but through Christ in me Grace and peace these are yours by the gift of God right our savior Jesus who came for us, who died for us, who rose for us, and now who lives in us by faith. Dear Christian friends, we're now in the home stretch of our Reset series. And we've looked at, at pushing the reset button on, on some of the really big picture pieces of our life, right? Our faith, our identity, our expectations. And today... We're really getting to kind of where those lead. This is where the rubber meets the road. It's kind of the natural follow-on, the natural result of, of resetting those things, and that's to reset our actions. It, it's something that really we could look at and maybe we should look at you know, pretty consistently, at least every month, maybe even every week. It would be wise to do that because, well, let's be honest, they probably need to be reset fairly often. But I think right now, with what has transpired in the last year, this is perhaps actually a, a critical thing for a lot of people. And, and there's a reason for that, right? Now we're almost 11 months removed from the beginning of the, the shutdown, the pandemic, when everything kind of fell apart. And, and in, when all of that happened people's lives abruptly changed, right? For some people, they were laid off. For some people, they were furloughed. For many other people, they just shifted to a work-from-home model. But with that went the routine and the structure that normally accompanied the, the get up, go through the routine, go to work, da-da-da-da-da. And, and now, all of a sudden, that, that changed, right? And if you have kids... Well, they were home 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The schools were closed. The gyms were closed. The, the sports were shut down. The parks were closed. Restaurants were closed. Gyms for big kids were closed too, right? All of the places that we would go to, to gather, to socialize, to mingle with other people, all of it was shut down. And, and with the change in structure and routine, and the sociological benefit of just being around other people, I think many, many people lost a lot of motivation, to be honest, right? A lot of things changed. And it wasn't just the structure routine. It was, it was our actions. I mean, people started staying up later and getting up later because there was no commute to work in the morning or they didn't have a job to go to what people ate and drank or how much of those things changed. How much you sat on the couch and binge Netflix probably changed. How many showers you took might have even changed. And I'm not sure that any of these things was for the better, right? Uh, it, it wasn't all bad, but it was a, a massive re-change to our lives, which resulted in change in our actions that maybe we didn't plan on. They were kind of a reactionary change. 
And, and I think that that's a good reason now why it's important for us who want to reset our actions and we want to do so in line with what God says, to take a step back and evaluate not just what's in our hearts, but how that shows itself in our lives. God wants us to do this, right? Not just because it's better physical health or mental health, but, but because it's all about our spiritual health. Our actions display what's in our hearts. And God wants what's in our hearts to be healthy so that what we do is just as spiritually healthy. Listen to how he says it in our sermon text for today from James chapter 1, beginning at verse 19. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Here's why I'm pretty much... I'm pretty sure that everybody needs to reset their actions a little bit, right? I I don't know how well you do this, like being slow to speak and quick to listen and slow to anger. I'm not sure how well you do that normally, but, but last year was anything but normal. And it became pretty obvious that this wasn't happening, right? I think the, the, um, environment, the events that we lived through, they just cranked up, and all of the uncertainty cranked up fear and anxiety and frustration and all of it to extreme levels. And the result was, it wasn't that. It was being quick to speak and slow to listen and anger. That's like listening to a car salesman selling you the latest sports car. Went zero to ticked off in 3.2 seconds. I mean, it wasn't hard to see, right? Go to anywhere where people interact, whether it's online, social media, or, or just in a store, and, and everybody was on edge constantly. There, there was no kindness. There was just opinion coming out of their mouths, and they weren't really interested in what you had to say or in yours. It wasn't a pretty picture right? It was pretty ugly for a while, and I'm, I'm not sure that we've actually taken a big step back from that to reset. And there's a problem, there's a problem with that, right? Because notice what God says in verse 20. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. This shouldn't be a newsflash, Because you know what comes out of your heart when you're angry. It's not pretty, is it? It's mean, it's vindictive, it's hurtful. And now sometimes it stays in here or in here, and that isn't actually better. God still knows it. But there is an awful lot of times where that just comes blowing out in brutal words and in vicious actions. And God wants us to recognize an important component of that. Right? That's the very opposite of what God wants in your life. And if the cause of it is anger, you need to recognize something very clearly. It's our first takeaway today. It's that my anger is a spiritual problem. 
This is why God wants us to reset our actions. Take a look at how he says it in the next verses. He says, there we go. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Now, it's kind of interesting that this follows immediately after what we just read. Did you catch the first word of verse 21? Therefore. Maybe you've heard me say before, anytime you see a therefore in the Bible, you need to know what it's there for. This follows immediately after the the verse that talks about human anger leading to unrighteousness, right? Things that are the opposite of what God wants for you. Therefore, as a result, get rid of all of the garbage in your heart and in your life. The filth and the evil. What do those two things have in common? Uh, Anger and, and morally bankrupt. Moral problems, issues, wickedness, sin. Well, I, I think, it's not always true, but I think that often the more guilt and shame you're dealing with the re, as a result of sin, the angrier you are. Think about that for a moment. I, I can tell you I've, I've got more than two hands worth of people that I know in my time as a pastor, who have been incredibly angry people. And they would never have recognized that the source of their anger was the burden of guilt and shame in their hearts. But that was what it was. And until they understood that Jesus is the solution, is the one who frees them from guilt, anger was a problem. But once they were free, Once they were were at peace and set free from guilt, the anger slowly went away. And that's why God says, get rid of all the junk in your life. All the garbage that would just continually eat at you and lead you into sin. All the, the evil and moral depravity, get rid of it, right? Now notice, he recognizes this is hard even says it's so prevalent, right? It's, it, it even lives in us. It's in our hearts. It's in the world around us. And that's why if you don't actually take steps on purpose to get rid of it, it won't go away. It will linger. And that's why God says you have to be intentional. You've got the reason, right? You know what God has done for you. Now here's what you need to do. And he's pretty serious about it. Maybe you've heard these words before. Jesus spoke them in his kind of famous Sermon on the Mount. And look what he says about the seriousness of sin. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. That's some really rough truth right there. But Jesus is trying to underscore something that he wants you and I to to appreciate just how serious 
sin really is. And in a spiritual way, that, that sin isn't just an action that has a consequence and now I say I'm forgiven. But sin eats away at our soul. It attacks who God made us to be. And he says, this is a dangerous thing for you, my friends. Now, Jesus doesn't actually want you to be a, like a bunch of self-mutilators because we're all sinners. But he wants us to appreciate and recognize how dangerous sin is and the steps, the intentionality that we need to have to be free from sin, to get away from that moral filth and, and the evil that, that would wrap its hands around us and hold on to us. That's why we need to reset our actions. So let me give you a couple of examples of what that might look like. If social media is something that causes you to become angry or jealous or anxious, get rid of it. Log out and forget what your password is. Give it two weeks. See how, how free you feel. Take a break. Bury it. Delete the apps. Don't come back. And just see how, how your heart feels. See the actions that flow out of it as a result. If porn has pulled you in because, and because of a promise that it's harmless, First of all, know that that's a lie. It does damage to your head, to your sexual health, and to your heart. And if porn is something you struggle with, you need to, to put in place some pieces to give yourself accountability and transparency when it comes to what you do online. There's software out there, Covenant Eyes, there's others like it, but find yourself something. Get yourself some pieces because it will keep sucking you back in over and over again. Find someone that will hold you accountable and will love you like a brother or sister in Christ. That will pick you up when you fail but won't just give you a free pass. If the 24-hour news cycle is something that is just constantly talking in your ear and makes you anxious or afraid or angry, Turn it off. I'd even say go a step further and block the channels. Take a break. Shut down the notifications on your news feed and your phone. And instead, I'd actually give you something else to do. Go find an audio Bible. And instead of having the talking heads bloviating about the same opinions over and over and over again ad nauseum, Listen to what God says. Hit play. And just listen to God speak to you through his word. See what he has to say. Because these things, friends, aren't going to change themselves. It's all around you. It's so prevalent, it's even in you. And unless you get serious and reset your actions, it's not going to get better. God wants us to recognize that. To recognize that without him, it really is pretty hopeless. We know this. We've looked at it before. We saw it from Ephesians 2. But it's our second takeaway, just as a, an important reminder. It's that what I do should doom me. 
only God can save me. And that's why James tells us, don't not just get rid of the junk in your life, the, the spiritual garbage, but fill up with the spiritual goodness, right? The, the word of God. Notice he says it's powerful. He says it's so powerful, it can save you. Not just from the, the garbage around you in this moment, but from an eternity apart from God. I mean, think of how powerful the word of God is. We look at our Bible and we go, ah, it's just a book. It is so much more. Think of what God does with his word. Think of Jesus, right, calming the storm, saying quiet and be still, and the howling wind. Think of how Jesus would, would speak words and people that had incurable diseases, paralyzed for their entire lives, could walk. They were healed by the power of God's word. How he would say, come out, get up. And the dead came back to life. Think of how God made everything, right? The Bible says it's by the power of his word he spoke and it was. And the Bible says that it's through God's word that he works faith in you. That he created and he strengthens that faith in your heart that, that looks to him and clings to him and knows that he is good and he is God. Right? That's, why we, that's why we listen to God and his word. That's why we dig into it. Verses like this one. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Over and over and over again, when you listen to God and read his word, you see over and over again how he rescues broken sinners. And not just from like the immediate mess that they're facing, but he rescues them from an eternity apart from him and from a, a life that's without hope. And he did that because he came into this world God himself did into this world that's filled with evil and anger and not because he wanted like a, a first-hand view to know what it's really like. It's so that he could save us, to save you, to give his life as the payment for all of the unright, right? The unrighteous things that we do, all of our sins. Jesus gave his life as the payment for them all. And now he sends his Holy Spirit into your heart so that by faith you know him, you trust in him, and you want to be like him. And that's why he says to humbly accept the word of God. I, I think that that's important, right? Because as we, as we go from what God has done for me to how I live and what that looks like, it's really important that we have that attitude, because I think if we're honest, we, we see the reality of our third takeaway today. That really what I try to do is to make God's word conform to my life. But what God wants is to make my life conform to his word. Instead of trying to shift and, and twist and turn and spin God's word so that it fits what you do, so that it allows you to get away with this or to do that. God wants you to fit your life to what he says. So that when he tells you to get rid of, 
of anger and bitterness and rage, he actually means it and you work at doing that. When he says to, to be kind and compassionate and generous and forgiving, that you don't just like take it as something, okay, I'll take those suggestions under advisement, thanks God. But that you do it because you know how much he loves you that he made you, that he saved you, that he called you to be his child, that he lives in you and strengthens you to live for him. Because he promises when you do, your life will be a blessing for yourself and for others. Listen to how he says it in the book of James. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after he looks at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. He starts off this section and he says, don't just be a listener, right? Be a, a doer. In my house, we have a little bit of a problem with that. It, it, it goes like this. It's time to do your homework. I know. I asked you to empty the dishwasher. I know. It's time to clean up and get ready for bed. I know. Do you know what comes after? I know. Usually the only action is, is stomping off. It's not actually doing. And I'm to the point where I don't care if my kids know anything anymore. I just want them to do. You ever wonder if that's what God thinks about us? When he says, forgive as I have forgiven you, and we say, I know, but I don't do. When he says, get rid of this in your life that is just, that is just wrapping you up and, and causing you to sin, and you say, I know, but I don't do. When he says, to love as I have loved you, and we say, I know, but we don't do. When he says, manage what I give you well and wisely, be generous, and we say, I know, but I don't do. When he says, stop that, do this, and we say, I know, but there's no do. Do you wonder how frustrated God feels? I mean, I, I know how it feels as a parent when my kids say, I know, but don't. I've got to imagine for, for God, that has to just be incredibly frustrating. To hear countless of his children say, I know, and not do. And that's why he says, don't just listen, don't just know, do it. Right? Because when you don't, you're not fooling God. You're not getting away with something. He knows. In fact, did you catch what he said? You aren't deceiving him, you're fooling yourself. I like the illustration that he gives, right? It's like somebody who goes and looks in a mirror, and what do they see in the mirror? They see, like, bedhead or hair sticking up. They see buttons 
cross-buttoned, crooked on their shirt. They see makeup that ran or stuff in their teeth, and they go, ooh. And then they turn and walk away and don't actually do anything about it, which defeats the whole purpose of looking in the mirror, correct? That's why you look in the mirror, to make sure that everything is put where it's supposed to go. God says, why would you, you wouldn't do that with a mirror. It'd be foolish. It defeats the purpose. So why do you do it with God's word? Where you look at what he says in his word and you, instead of doing it, say, I know. God wants us to be real honest with not just him, but with ourselves. For all of the times that we say, I know, that we hear his word and we don't do. Because, well, there are, I think, probably two main reasons why we don't. And so I want you to think about which one you struggle with more. The first one is that our, our motivation is a problem. It's our fourth takeaway, or part one of our fourth takeaway. It's that I have the wrong motivation A.K.A., I don't want to. I struggle to do what God wants because if I'm honest, I don't want to. I mean, this is why my kids say I know but don't do, right? Let's, let's just be honest. They don't want to. They don't want to empty the dishwasher. They don't want to do their homework. They want to do what they want to do. And you and I are no different, are we? I don't really want to forgive that person because I want to hold on to that. I was hurt and I want to focus on me and how badly that hurt me. I don't really want to give up the the garbage that's in my life because if I'm honest, I kind of like gossiping, lust, hatred, lying. Those things are just kind of part of what I do now and I don't want to give that up. I don't want to. And that's a problem. Do you know why that's a problem? Because you're believing a lie. The lie is that you have thrown off God's oppressive rules and finally you are free. You get to live the way that you want. You are in control. Do you know what Jesus said? Look at his words from John 8. Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. See, what the devil doesn't tell you is that the the second you sin, the second you you bite on that temptation, he is right there with the shackles of guilt to wrap you up, to lock you up, and and to pour shame and regret all over you. That you're going to deal with painful consequences. He doesn't tell you any of that in the temptation phase, does he? He just says, oh, this this is good. You'll be free. Oh, no. That's a lie. Because everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Instead, well, did you hear what, what Jesus said about it, what God said about his word? Right? Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, they will be blessed. Notice what Jesus says about his word. God tells you that his word actually gives you freedom. That in his word, he lays out this path for you that doesn't have painful consequences and guilt and shame because, well, God's path for you is free from sin. That's his design for your life. 
But it's not just free from, from guilt and, and consequences. It's free for living for him. It's free to live the way that God made you to live. Free to live in peace. Free to live in, in joy. Right? The things that this world just can't seem to find or provide. God says, I've got it. Listen to me. Do. Do. Not just listen, but do what I say. And you will find this freedom. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from lies. Freedom from all that stuff that would snare you up and drag you down. And that's why God gives us his word and the wisdom in his word and direction in his word to lead for our lives. The second reason, the second reason that I think we struggle to do what God says is because we're afraid. Because you know it's going to be hard, right? I mean, you know that thing that is that particular sin, that particular temptation that just it doesn't ever seem to go away and it just is there tripping you up over and over and over. And it's going to be really hard to try to push that out of your life, to cut that temptation off. And you know that you're going to struggle and that you're going to fall off the wagon and that you're going to fail. And, and, and as a result, do you know what you're really tempted to think? That it's better to not fail than to try. That the fear of failure is actually worse than failure. Than doing what God says. That thinking, though, not only forgets the freedom that God promises in his perfect law, it forgets something so much better. It forgets the good news. It forgets that, that God doesn't base his relationship with you on what you do on your performance. It forgets that salvation and forgiveness are yours not because you do this or don't do that, but because of what Jesus did for you. It forgets that God loves you and forgives you and picks you up. And when you fail, which will happen, that God doesn't shake his head and cross his arms, but he says, I forgive you, go and do. And he sends you out again and again and again and again and again with the confidence that he gives you the strength, that he is the one who motivates you because he lives in your heart. That's our last takeaway today. That I struggle to do for God because I'm afraid. And the reason I'm afraid is because I've forgotten that I'm forgiven. This is why God wants you to take your actions seriously. Because they have broad spiritual implications. And there is nothing more important than your soul. Because someday your body is going to die, but your soul is going to live on. And God, God wants so much for that to be with him forever. So much that he died for you to save your soul, to be with him forever. And so he says, listen to my word, but don't just listen and know, do it. Put it into practice. Work at it. Struggle. I forgive you. Get up and go again and again and again. 
because God lives in you. Right? We sang that. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. That's the power and the strength to reset our actions so that we live for God and his glory. Amen. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Yet not I, but through Christ in me.